so much for uh, just a good time of laughter and joy, enjoying each other. And, and Lord, we're going to have a lot of that in heaven one day. And, and so we just thank you that you bring so many wonderful things to us and things to enjoy today in this world that we live in, that you have created. And I pray, Lord, that as I um, bring this message to your people, Lord, I pray that our hearts will be, will be filled with joy and, uh, and hope and uh, anticipation of learning more about you and your word. I pray that your anointing of your spirit will fall upon me to do that, Lord, for your glory, that this message will truly, truly bring you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you remember the Sunday, January 6th, 1850? Well, we're awake. That's good. Well, something special happened that day. It was a, a very harsh winter in London. And on that day, they were having a massive blizzard. And it really paralyzed the whole city. And very few people were bold enough, brave enough to move about due to the horrible weather conditions, except for one young man. And this one young man had a, had a desperate uh, feeling in his heart, a pull to receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And so what he did is he started walking toward his place of worship. When he couldn't go any further due to the storm, he stopped and he turned down a side road. He didn't know what was, he just turned down a side road. And as he's walking uh, along that street of that side road, he discovered a tiny uh, Methodist chapel. And he said all he could hear was loud singing. So he entered the chapel, and there are 15 people, he said, that were loud. They were singing so loud. He said, but that didn't bother him because he just wanted to know Jesus. And that morning, their pastor did not show up due to the snowy condition. He was snowed in. So he took a seat. He waited and waited for a few moments. And then this layperson stood up and started speaking. And the young stranger thought to himself as he began speaking, and he said, this guy is very stupid. That was his thought. Not my, he, the guy is very stupid. And he said, you know, that's why he's obligated to stick to the text because he has nothing else to offer. But here it comes. Then the text that this layperson used was Isaiah 45, 22. Isaiah 45, 22. says, turn, or many translations will say, look. Turn or look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. The man said it didn't matter that the speaker could not verbalize very well, because, but he found hope in the text. The young man, that text just grabbed him. Then the, then the, speaker, the speaker went on to say, and he said with his language, 
he just went on to say and said, look upon me, using the text, look upon me, I'm sweating great drops of blood. Look upon me, I'm hanging on the cross. Look upon me, I'm dead and buried. Look upon me, I, I rise again, were his words. He said, look upon me, I ascended to heaven. Look upon me, I am sitting on the right hand of God the Father. Then he said, oh, poor sinner, look upon me, look upon me. About that point in time, the young man said, he started talking about other things and kept going on and on and on. And then suddenly, he said, that speaker fixed, he found me, and he fixed his eyes on me as if he knew what my heart was on my heart. And then he said, and he shouted toward him and said, young man, look to Jesus Christ. Look, look, look. You you ain't got nothing else to do but to look and to live. The word that caught him was look. Look. He said, that word jumped out at him. He said, in that moment, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. That young person became one of the great, great preachers of the 19th century and pastor. Who am I talking about? Nobody knows? Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon, is, a, is I tell you, his, it just go to the internet or whatever, he, he was truly an outstanding preacher. And he influenced, and he's today, even today, he has influenced so many young preachers. He just had that gift. Well, so what's my point? Listen, my point is very simple this morning. Nothing, not even a snowstorm or lack of experience or education can stop God from getting his message across to us. Nothing can stop him. Nothing. We've been talking about listening to God's voice, hearing God's voice. God speaks so loud and clear through his word. You know, we just need to listen to the nuggets that he has for us because they're so rich. If you're in the word of God, you know what I'm talking about. The more you're in the word, the more you listen. And even in your daily life, you pick up things. If you do a morning devotional, for example, and maybe God speaks to you through a phrase or a thought, and maybe that thought comes back to you in the middle of the day, that's God speaking. That's what he does. So my first thought, I have three of them this morning, is the power of the word. We're going to be looking at John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. To the Jews who believed in him, he, Jesus said, if you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus was not talking about just truth in general terms, but he is really the essence of all truth revealed in his word. Boy, am I loud today? Is that okay? You know, and so John 17, 70 says, Thy word is truth. 
So we look from, from Genesis to Revelation, the Word of God has the power to speak, to convict and transform our lives. That unpoly speaker did not convert Charles Spurgeon. It was Jesus Christ, his word and spirit that set him free. Jesus said, my word, his word was set us free. What does he mean? Charles Spurgeon, he set him free. If you need an extra touch from a grace of, from God, maybe one scripture will set you free in that moment in time. You know, that is so important for us to see and understand. Friends, the Bible is the standard, the believer's manual by which everything is evaluated. I can't say that enough. If a Christian is struggling, if a Christian is alienated from a family member, a brother, a sister, you know, husband, wife, son, daughter, whatever, then what does the Bible say? Go be reconciled. If a person is struggling with unforgiveness, what does the Bible say? You got to forgive. You got to somehow how to do that. And we need to go to other people for help. Yes, absolutely. But how about just going to the Bible through the Holy Spirit? He can help us through these things. If you're hung up in anger, go to the Word of God. God says, do not worry, do not worry. That sounds so easy, doesn't it? But the Bible's saying, do not worry. We can figure this out together. Partner with your Lord and your Savior in the Word. Far too often, we want to bail out and go pick up the phone. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that and talk to a brother and sister in Christ. Say, I need. No, dig your own well. Go to the Word. Ask the Spirit to help you understand what this means. Well, you know, I've come to that person and asked for forgiveness. I've done my part. I'm done. Really? Go to the Word. All of us have had issues. Why? All of us have had issues about reconciliation with other people. My family's no different. We have my, my family was a train wreck. My siblings, we were just all over the place. I was the youngest of five. Not necessarily the wisest, but the youngest. With the most hair, I might add. I just threw that in, Mike, I don't know why. But anyway, there was a lot of division within my siblings. And God laid upon my heart to say, try to reconcile the family. I spent years doing that. Talking to my, this brother, that sister, or whatever, when they're so miles apart, you need to be, to, don't give up. When there needs to be reconciliation in your family, don't give up. Don't you get, in, get ahead of Jesus. Call upon him to help you understand and discern what is going on in that situation. Amen? And amen. So, it's true, it's true. The Bible records stories and events surrounding people's actions, but more importantly, it reveals who God is and what he does and the principles by which we are to live by. We have all of those things, all those tools in the word of God. Number two, how to succeed in life. Who doesn't want to succeed, right? If I said, okay, how many want, want to succeed in life? 
If there one person did put up his hand, you'd say, whoa, what's wrong with that person? We all want to succeed. Amen? So we're going to Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. He said, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law, or the word, always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, Joshua said, you will be prosperous and successful. It's safe to say that everyone wants to succeed in life. We have countless books. We go to seminars, conferences, workshops, strategies, you know, whose goals are to help us to succeed in life. I work out five days a week. Can't you tell? <laughs> yeah. Five days a week. But I don't lift a weight. I do all cardiovascular. Okay? So five days a week, Monday through Friday. But I can't turn the clock back. I can't. You know? And I can't achieve the performance of years gone by. That ship has sailed. It is way out of the harbor. It is way out in the ocean. It is gone. And I can also say that I don't lift the weights, but you know why? Oh, I got to watch what I say here. Because Jan likes me flabby. <laughs> that ship is said, What I'm saying is that, that is, it's kind of human nature, isn't it? You know, that we can only, we're young. And then we get middle-aged and older. It, nature tells us we can't do things we could do when we were 19, 20 years old. You know that as well as I do. But listen to this. Here's the good news. Our Christian walk can get better with age. That's what we need to understand. Our walk with Jesus gets better with age if, if, here it comes, if we fix our eyes on him, it gets better. It does. Now, if you go back to Joshua, I think it's verse 7. He, he talked about to be strong and courageous, obeying the law or the word. Strong here means to stand firm, not to be swayed by anyone or anything that might pull us, you, away from God's will for your life. Then he talks about being courageous. I love that. It's to encourage or to boldly trust God for the tasks that he has for us. That's what he's talking about. Now, if you take strong and courageous here, they are directly connected to the Word of God. The three go together. You can't separate them. Strong, courageous Word, they all go together. Now, this is interesting because if you look at this passage and what was going on, you know, Moses had died. Joshua was now the man. Moses did not take them into the promised land. We all know that. That was Joshua's call. 
So there they are, you know, right there at the border or whatever, and they're looking at this promised land of seven nations. And of those seven nations, they were all stronger than Israel. Their militaries were stronger. They were stronger. In fact, really, Israel at that point really wasn't organized militarily, and they didn't have the weapons. But what does Joshua say? We don't need them. We don't need them. We need to be strong. We need to be courageous. We need to follow the word, not drift from it. Constantly be in the word and follow the word. That's where we need to be. And then in verse 8, in verse 8, Joshua says what? He says, uh, to meditate, when we meditate on the word of God, we will be what? We'll be successful. We'll be successful. Prosperous, everything. Now, can you imagine that? You take that in, 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 in lifetime today. He's talking about to be successful. is just to be strong and courageous. And this, that, and the other thing. Be in the, in the word and, and to meditate constantly. And take it seriously in, in life. That's what it's going to take. How odd that must have, they must have felt when Joshua said those words. But they're truth. Thy word is truth. The problem I see with so many of us Christians is we say, yeah, 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 that sounds good, but we don't follow up with it. You must, we must follow up to be successful. That's the only way, in my view, as a Christian, that we get through this life. I don't see how Christians can get through life without the word, without applying it to one's life. And I've had people, I've said simply, well, God never answers my prayer. It seems like I'm stuck, I'm stuck. Then I say, well, what's going on in your life? Then sometimes it comes out, well, I'm not forgiving, I'm not loving, I got this, and I'm just having a real hard time uh, with anger with this person. I said, maybe it's because you've got some kind of sin in your life that God is holding you back from receiving all God has for you. Joshua never underestimated the power of his God in his life and to lead his people. What, there what, two million, two million people? I don't know, maybe more, maybe less. And it's given to him. Joshua, you're the man. He didn't go to college. He wasn't prepared for this. Yeah, he was, he was under Moses, but suddenly it's his. And what did Joshua do? He said, take courage, be strong. He's reminding them, and as you go on in Joshua, he says, remember, as for me and my household, we will what? Exactly. That's where he wanted them to be. But what happened? What happened here? Did that happen? It blew up. They got involved in all the things he told them, he warned them about. They went right into it just like going off the cliff, all of them together, with their idolatry and other things, and it just, it just messed them all up. That's what happens today when Christians and people aren't in the Word. It can mess you up. When issues come up in your life, temptations, they can mess you up big time. 
The biggest, one of the biggest problems, issues we all know, we all know in life today is pornography. And it's hitting both men and women. How do we overcome that? Well, let's go back to Joseph. Go back to the Bible. Go back to the story. What did Joseph do when he was being tempted or was being seduced by this woman? What did he do? He fled. Turn the TV off. Get out of the internet. Get out of that stuff because that stuff will burn into your heart and into your mind and it's hard to get rid of it. Get out. God says, get out. Go to the Word. You say, well, I tried, but I come back. Then ask Jesus to help you. What is real? God is real. And God knows this stuff is bad for all of us. We cannot overcome on our own, but with Christ we can. Amen and amen. Well, you say that was kind of sobering. So how does it work? I'm going to share with you number three. I'm going to share my third thought, how it worked for me. And in your own way, it can do the same thing for you as God leads you. It's called God's sign. Genesis 9, 8 through 17. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And verse 12, And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I make between you, me and you and every living creature with you a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will, rem I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. And verse 17. I'm just going to 17. Did I say 18? Let's just go 17. Anyway, I did say 17. Excuse me. So God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant. I have established between me and all life on the earth. How many times have we heard that story? Dozens of times. You probably say, yeah, yeah, okay, the covenant, and God, there's not going to be flood again. Some people say, well, you know, uh, how much land mass do we have on the earth? It's basically all ocean and water. That a flood, No, it's not going to happen that way anymore. God said, that's done. That's over. It was on a very stormy late afternoon. 
and I was driving home on the Eisenhower Expressway after spending considerable time with a very ill child, my daughter, at Children's Hospital. And I was spent emotionally and spiritually. I was, I can't tell you, I was just exhausted. I remember getting into that car, going down that expressway, and I was praying and asked God, I said, I need your assurance, God. I need your intervention, and I need it now. And I didn't say it like I'm talking now. I was done. I was cooked. I didn't know where to go. I knew the Lord. He had been with me so far in this, this journey with us. Maybe I was feeling sorry for myself a little bit. Maybe I was a little bit angry. Yes, all of that. But I needed God. I needed help. So I prayed for assurance intervention. I prayed that God would give me a special touch of his grace and his mercy. Suddenly, stretched across the sky in front of me was this awesome rainbow. Literally, this happened. That timing was absolutely perfect. God gave me the sign of the rainbow. It was, it was almost like God is saying, now what do I have to do to get your attention? What more can I do for you so that you can understand that I'm with you through all of this? Not, he wasn't angry, just saying, I'm with you. I'm giving you a sign, evidence, just like in the days of Noah. See, it's through the rainbow that God, God's glory is revealed. And the, the covenant, the, the covenant sign is a reminder of God's everlasting faithfulness to us and to his word. Now, it did not happen that I was on the ark. But we see what he did. He used his word and he used that story to become very vivid and very clear to me. That's what the word does. How many times have you looked at a, at a, at a block of scripture and you say, man, that was written just for me. That just really touched my heart. That really set me free. That's the purpose of Scripture. When we read it, when we're into it, God gives us these moments when we need it the most. And I felt that that, for me personally, when I got that sign, I felt like Joshua. I thought, nothing can prevail against me. All this bad stuff that's happening, God's in it. I know it. I've seen it. I've experienced it. And part of it I don't like, but I know at the end of the day that he's there. The same for you. If you are struggling right now and you need some kind of sign from God, 
whatever it is in your life, then ask him. Ask him for that sign, that special touch that only God can give you. A touch that I can't give you, your neighbor can't give you, only God through his word can give you. Ask for that sign for you. If he gave it to me, he can surely give it to you. We're all in this together, brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, I don't have that corner in God. We all have the opportunities to be in him. But we need to embrace them. I chose to embrace. I chose to take this as a sign that God was in this, even though I didn't logically understand it. That gave me strength. That gave me encouragement. That's what God is screaming to us today. He wants to give you strength, give you encouragement for what you are going through. To get whatever it is, he said, I can do it for you. I want to do this for you. God is screaming. He's screaming at you and said, I want to give this to you. I want to give you myself, my heart, everything. I want to give it to you. I know you. I made you. I created you. Open up your heart and just let me come in. Let me come and test me, test me, and let me come in. He'll do that for you. He'll do that for you. You know why? Because he's a God who cares and loves. Cares and loves. Let the promises of his word renew your faith. Faith in what? Again, in a God who loves, a God who cares for you through it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He cares. Oh, he so cares. What's the condition? We need to respond. That's the condition. We need to respond to his truths. And remember the word says, he said, test me. Test me in this. I, you know, I'm sure many of you have really said, God, I'm going to test you in this. God, I need you in this. That's great because that's what God wants. And he will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in who? Christ Jesus. That's God's will for us is to give it all to him. Man, just give it all to him. And just let him work in and through you. Whatever it is, again, give it to your Lord. And he'll give you a sign, quite frankly, that will knock your socks off. Because that's what he does. That's what he does. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you so much for who you are. Oh, God. I pray for my brothers and sisters here today. I rejoice with them in the good things happening in their lives. But my heart is also burdened for those that are carrying a load that they cannot carry alone and succeed. I pray now, Lord, that you will touch a heart here today or two or three, whatever, of those that just open themselves up to you and seek 
your face. Seek your heart in their situation, Lord. Help them to see that they're never alone, that you're with them always. Help them see, Lord, as they put their strength and courage in you and your word, that you will honor their faith. You will honor their discipline. You will honor their commitments to you. Jesus Christ, you are the best. Jesus Christ, there's none like you. There's none like you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God is good all the time. So, who's your best friend? Jesus, that's right. Love my wife, love Yanni, but Jesus is my best friend. He's my pal. He's my Lord, he's my Savior. And Rudy, he loves me warts and all. That's the beauty of it. He loves us, isn't it? Warts and all. That's what God does. So we leave here, we can rejoice. You know, God doesn't make junk, right? As they say, we are very special in his eyes. We call him Abba Father. He's present with us. Always, 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 he's present with us. Let him be, and tomorrow, and the next day, let him be your friend. He'll never let you down. Now go and serve your king. God bless you.